Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. United States Steel, USS, presents the Theater Guild... Tonight's play, Mary of Scotland. Tonight's stars, Helen Hayes and Helen Menken. United States Steel Corporation, the world's greatest maker of steel... Identified by the familiar USS trademark, invites you to listen to the Theatre Guild production, Mary of Scotland, by Maxwell Anderson, starring Helen Hayes and Helen Menken. Now, here is Lawrence Langner, co-director with Teresa Halburn of the Theatre Guild, one of America's foremost theatrical producers, to introduce the play. Mr. Langner. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. We are happy to be presenting our play in Pittsburgh tonight before a great audience in the Syria Mosque Auditorium. We produced Mary of Scotland in Pittsburgh on the stage of the Nixon Theatre just prior to its New York engagement. It was a thrilling occasion, for this outstanding play made history in the theater. Indeed, Burns Mantle, the famous dramatic critic, described it as the most eloquent romantic drama of our time. Playing Queen Mary in our original stage production was Helen Hayes, and Queen Elizabeth was played by Helen Menken. Both of them are here again in Pittsburgh tonight, and each will play her original role. And now the 500,000 stockholders and employees are you to listen to Maxwell Anderson's famous drama of love and intrigue, Mary of Scotland. Scotland in the 16th century. And in the city of Leith, on a dark pier on a dark night, a crowd of men and women stamping their feet and blowing on their fingers await the ship that is to bring their queen to them. They do not speak. They move about the pier with the stiffness of men who are cold and none too joyous. And now as the dory brings the queen from ship to shore, an old man clambers up to the pier, passes the waiting men, and turns then to face them, his back to the ocean. Well, so the huzzy queen is coming. And you've come here as I have, to see this white face they speak of, and these taken graces. And what are you going to say to her? Are you going to tell her that we want and will have none of her here? That is what to say to her. That is what I will tell her. 
And any man not corrupted by Dyson, Heyman, cards, drinking and dancing, and all the uses of the flesh will tell her the same thing. What goes on here, guard? It's Master John Knox, sir. Oh, John Knox, eh? Master Knox! Master Knox! Who speaks? Tis I, Bothwell. A very broad evening to you, Master Knox. And to you, my lord. You're not here by chance to greet the queen. If I've aught to say to her, it'll be for her own ears. No doubt, no doubt. And I have a little observe to make to you about that too, sir. Whatever it is you have to say to her, you won't say it. And why not? Do you try to muzzle the ministers of God? Oh, I'm no such fool as to try to muzzle a minister. Nevertheless, whatever it was you were going to say, you won't say it. That's my observe to, to you. Quiet! Quiet, you fools! This is your queen. Be quiet! Now, be gone. Be gone, all of you. The queen is tired. Just a moment. It is true I am tired from my long journey. But I am not too tired to say how happy I am to be here among my people nor how eager I am. Now I'm back in Scotland to pluck a gowan in spring, a fairy fresh gowan, or to gorge on bright thorn apples in mid-August. And now be gone and leave the queen to her rest. They like your words, Your Majesty. They're leaving satisfied. I'm so glad. And when they come, they'll bring excellent devices of mass and ornament to the seat of the eye. And soft words and sentences to come by the senses of mankind. And their counsels will be corrosing the flowers of fruits of evil. But, but, sir, are you speaking to me? Surely this is not said in welcome to me. And what other welcome shall we give the leprous and cankerous evangel of the beast? Who are you? Your Majesty, this is Master John Knox, of whom your grace may have heard. Nay, then I have heard of him, and I wish to speak to him. Master Knox, it is true that I am Mary Stuart and your queen. And I want you to know that this is my native place, Master Knox. And I loved it as a child and still love it. And I shall try to rule it in tolerance and mercy with a quick eye for wrongs and a quick hand to right. Your Majesty, if the old goat has said anything that needs retracting... Nay, he shall retract nothing in fear. I would have all men my friends in Scotland. See... I give you my hand, Master Knox. It is a queen's hand, and fair. And I look at you out of honest eyes, and I mean well and fairly. You cannot refuse me. Well, there. Ah, thank you. And you will come to see me at Holyrood House and give me counsel, for God knows I shall need counsel. And I shall listen, that I promise. Your Majesty, I should be untrue to me, sell me calm, if I refuse counsel where's asked. You will come. I will come. Uh, I will send for you, and soon. Good night, Your Majesty. Good night, my Master Knox. Now I wonder, will he hate me more or less? More, probably. However, it's just as well to have him where you can watch him. You're an outspoken man yourself, Captain. I am. You will forgive me, but so far I have not heard your name. James Hepburn, madam. What? Earl of Bothwell. Then you are a friend. Will you give me your hand, sir, and your welcome... Tell me, my lord of Bothwell, have I done well so far? Shall I not make this Scotland mine? Madam, I can see that the new sovereign is a sonsy lass and a keen one. And I was for her from the first I saw her face. But from my heart, I could wish her a better country to rule over. Now, <laughs> will no one speak well of this poor Scotland of mine? Madam, it's a cold, dour, sour, villainous country. 
And the folks on it are a cold, dour lot of close-shaven, penny-pinching villains. And I can only hope no harm will come here to that bonny face of yours. And then no misery to the spirit you bring. But solemnly and truly, sir, it may be that they are not a happy race, but they have beliefs. And, and what they believe, they believe from their hearts. Even this master not. He? He believes whatever's to his own advantage. He split the country wide open over your coming and leads the pack against you, brawling from his dunghill. We'll have bloodshed over it yet. Bloodshed? Aye, and plenty. No. If I thought that, I should turn now and bid the mariners hoist sail and put back for France. I shall win, but I shall win in a woman's way, not by the sword. Let us hope so. Hope so? I shall. I am no courtier, madam. I say, let us hope so. That, then, is Scotland. But in London, Queen Elizabeth and all of Queen Elizabeth's followers turn their eyes northward. For Elizabeth, daughter of Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, is held by many to be illegitimate and therefore not entitled to the throne of England. Elizabeth's advisors gather round official conference tables and discuss the threat of Mary, Queen of Scots. Until finally, Lord Burley carries the consensus to Elizabeth herself. There must be war, Your Majesty. War? Why? First, Mary Stuart has crossed from France to Scotland against your advice and without your safe conduct. Quite true. Second, she has been crowned Queen of Scotland. This also against your wish and in defiance of your policy. Aye, Lord Bailey, aye. Third, she is next heir after Your Majesty to the throne of England and is held by most of Europe to be the rightful Queen of England at the present time. And for these reasons... You would make war? Surely Mary Stuart must be deposed, Your Majesty. And how else can we depose her? We can undermine her with her own subjects. And how would that be accomplished? Burley, Burley, you know that Mary is beautiful. You know that she is addicted to mirth and dancing. That she has a likeness of manner brought from France. And none too well understood in Scotland. That's what our reports tell us, Your Majesty. And they tell us that she is seen much in the company of certain men. The Earl of Bothwell and her secretary, Rizzio. And this is offensive to the narrow sort of Scotsman. Yes, madam, our reports tell us all this, but... But you do not yet see what is to be done. No, Your Majesty. Oh, my lord, my lord. It is difficult to thrust a queen from her throne. But suppose... A queen were led to destroy herself. Suppose she were led from one step to another in a long descent until at last she stood condemned among her own subjects and the people of Scotland were to deal with her for us. Can this be done? She is a woman, remember, and open to attack as a woman. She has a name for coquetry, an easy smiling. We shall build that up into a name for wantonness and loose behavior. And since it may be true that she is of a keen and noble mind, let us take care of that too. Let us marry her to a weakling and a fool. A woman's mind and spirit are no better than those of the man she marries. She would hardly marry to our convenience, oh, madam. Not if she were aware of it, but she is next heir to my throne. She will hope for children to sit on it. And she will therefore 
wish to marry a man acceptable as the father of kings. Ah, we can make use of that. Only perhaps. No, certainly. To my mind, the man she marries must be of good appearance in order that she may want him. But a fool, in order that he may ruin her, and not of our faith, in order to set half her people against her. You have thought of someone? I have. I shall even let it be rumored that I oppose such a marriage. I shall let it go abroad that I favor someone else. Who is the man? Oh, I have thought of Donley. Donley? Aye. He is handsome and of good bearing. Yes. And a fool. A boasting drunken boy. Mm. If I give out that I am determined against it, she will marry him. And he will drag her down. This will take time. It may take many years. I can wait. And we shall need many devices. You shall not find me lacking in devices. In the word to drop here, the rumor started there. Early, we must have constant knowledge of her and agents about her continually so that her acts and sayings may be misconstrued and a net of half-lies woven about her. But yes, until her people believe her a voluptuary... There is a man called Knox ah, who can be used in this. Excellent. And Mary's half-brother, the Earl of Moray, can be used too. Let Moray know that I favor him for the throne in Scotland. Let Moray know that Mary must marry Donley. It shall be done, Your Majesty. Good. Start the rumors. Mary must be known as double-tongued. A demon with an angel's face. Insatiable in desire. A prophetess of evil, addicted to lascivious rites and poisonous revenges. Her own people will rise and take her scepter from her. Will people believe the rumors? Ah, we live in a world of shadows, my lord. We are not what we are, but what is said of us and what we read in others' eyes. More especially is this true... Of queens and kings. Whatever I may be, Burley, it shall be said only that I am Queen of England, that I rule well. And in Scotland, Elizabeth's plottings start to touch Mary when her half-brother Moray comes to her. Well, Moray, my brother, speak. What is it that you have to say? Uh, Your Majesty, what I have to say needs saying bluntly. The people of Scotland are given to morals almost as much as to drink. I'll not say they're moral themselves, but they'll insist on morals in high places, and they dislike what they've been hearing. What have they been hearing? Some spreading evil has gone out against you. A crawling fog of whispers. What are the whispers? Well, there's one about Lord Bothwell. His name is coupled with yours, his and your secretary's, Rizzio's. And it's your thought that a marriage would end the rumors? Aye. But as to whom I'll marry... Some of us have thought of Darnley. Welcome, Lord Throckmorton. Welcome to Scotland. Greetings, Maury. Greetings from London. Greetings from Elizabeth and more than greetings. More than greetings. May I know the drift? Has Mary been made aware of Lord Darnley? I've seen to it myself. But what says Elizabeth? <laughs> oh, it's a wide arc of intrigue. But 
this much you can know. Elizabeth is determined that you are to reign in Scotland. By heaven, fine. But my lord, Mary is of no mind to marry <laughs> Darnley. She will be, and he'll ruin her, and you'll reign. Oh, she'll marry him when I indicate to her that Elizabeth has set her face against it. Has set her face... So, Lord Throckmorton, so, that is Elizabeth's message to me. Well, I marry where I please. The least worthy sovereign has a duty toward his blood, not to weaken it, nor let it decline in place. Here, Lord Throckmorton, here's the door. I shall see to your safe conduct. You sent for me, Your Majesty? Yes, my lord, Bothwell. I have heard from England. Mary, my queen, what you heard, I could have guessed. She's your demon. She bodes you ill. I believe it now. I believe it. And I shall do what I must do. But I tell you first, in fairness, I shall do what I must do. And in my own way, Lord Bothwell. Your own way? Without me? Mary, without me. Good God, I'd been born deep somewhere in the highlands. And there met you a maid in your path, and you but a highland bowman who needed me. Why, if you loved Mary, you're my maid, and I'm your soldier. And it won't be. Aye, it will be. Bothwell, there is aching fire between us. Fire that could take deep hold and burn down all the marches of the West and make us great or slay us. Yet it's not to be trusted. Our minds are not the same. If I gave my hand to you, I should be pledged to rule by wrath and violence, to take without denial and mount on others' ruin. That's your way, and it's not mine. I cannot marry you. Does that mean you'll marry Darnley? My lady, will you stoop so low to choose a weapon? This is not worthy of the girl I've known. Am I to be ousted by a pape jay who drinks in the morning and cannot carry his drink? This end of moldy string. If you marry this Darnley, I'll take away my hand. By heaven, he believes he's held me up so far and I'd fall without I him. I believe it and it's true. Darnley, great heaven, no miracle could make him a king. He's a punk and he ruled like a punk. We shall see, Lord Bothwell. <laughs> Darnley is here, Your Majesty. I have sent for you, Lord Darnley, to tell you your suit has prospered. You've asked my hand in marriage, and I grant it. Your Majesty, I, I hardly hoped. I haven't dared. This is fortune to take one's breath. We shall face troubled times. This is some dream or a jest. Can't be. I, I feel that. And yet it's true. I'm to hold you in my arms. Not yet. And yet, if you like, come kiss me. They say a kiss seals the bargain. I've heard so. You've drunk too much. Nay, only a morning cup. The kiss, sweet lady. Let the kissing go. Let it go the bond sealed.
a moment, we will continue with the second act of Mary of Scotland, produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. And here speaking for United States Steel is George Hicks. Good evening. Tonight I'm talking to you from Pittsburgh, the modern city that's famous as the steel capital of the world. And today as I drove out past the huge steel plants up the Monongahela River, with 21 miles of its banks bordered by the plants of United States Steel... I realized why this dynamic nucleus of American industry was so aptly called Victory Valley during the war. This great beehive of industrial activity set me to wondering why it happened in Pittsburgh instead of someplace else. The answer is simple. It was no accident. Nature gave this locality great advantages that made its industrial development inevitable. First, there was the great underlying vein of coal known as the Pittsburgh Seam. This coal, when converted into coke, provides the vital fuel for iron and steel making. Limestone, another ingredient, is plentiful in the neighboring hills. Excellent water transportation over the Great Lakes, together with direct rail connections, give Pittsburgh easy and economical access to the vast iron ore reserves of the Lake Superior District. And the river system in the Pittsburgh area provides plenty of fresh water for the mills and permits the use of barges in the low-cost movement of coal and many other bulk commodities to and from the plants. With such advantages, there's no wonder that United States Steel came to Pittsburgh in 1901 with the forming of the corporation. Nor is it surprising that its facilities in this district steadily expanded. Today, and in the days ahead, United States Steel will carry on its program of modernization for efficiency. The United States Steel Corporation believes that Pittsburgh will continue to be one of the foremost steel centers of the world. And we're indeed proud of our long and happy association with this important community. We pause now for station identification. Your station is KECA Los Angeles. You are listening to the Theater Guild on the Air, sponsored by the industrial family that serves the nation... United States Steel. Tonight's play, Maxwell Anderson's Mary of Scotland, stars Helen Hayes as Mary and Helen Menken as Elizabeth. Now the curtain rises on the second act. Scotland in the 16th century. Mary the Queen is shortly to become a mother. But she is sad, for Darnley is the sort of husband Elizabeth had predicted he would be. Drunken, suspicious, and often absent on long journeys. With Bothwell gone, Mary turns more and more for counsel to Rizzio, her secretary whom she had brought from Italy. She sits with Rizzio now in the smaller salon of the palace. My lady... I shall never forgive myself. It was my own doing, Rizzio. My counsel weighed with you. I favored Darnley because he was of my faith. And he's our weakness, not our strength. None could have known that. Perhaps, but... Your Majesty, I have a request which you have denied before, but which I must make again. It is necessary for me to leave Scotland. David, David. I grow lonely for Italy. David. You know how much intrigue has grown up around this court. You know how I need friends. 
And you know you are the one advisor I can trust. I think I should go, Your Majesty. It's the king who has asked for this. Only indirectly. I'm not wanted here. You know that. I know the king is jealous. But you know, and I know, that I am quite innocent with you and you with me. And I can't spare you. Majesty, to tell you honestly, it's torture to speak of going away. And yet, say no more and let me go. Why, very well. But not angrily. Not in anger. Not in anger. I thank your majesty. Well. Darnley. I'm unexpected, perhaps. Too early? A thought too early. I'll retire. Come when I'm wanted. No, my lord. You've been long expected and more than welcome. Why, a pretty wife, sitting at home with her secretary. Don't sit down, all. I'll not intrude. Darnley. Rizzio, I thank you for watching over the pretty wife here. I've been away. But I've not been missed, it seems. My lord, I hoped you'd had some other word for me when you returned. Well, I am drunk. But I'm not so drunk that my eyesight fails to see what's been happening in this place. And what is that? Ha! What is that? Rizzio, do you hear? She asks me, what is that? Shall I tell her, Rizzio? Or will you? Or will her conscience tell her? Just what do you mean, Your Majesty? I'll show you, Rizzio, what I mean. I'll show you, you impudent cur. Donnelly. Reverend, come in here. Yes, Your Majesty. What is this? You will retire, sir. Who are you? My good friend, Riven. Riven, you see that grig with the kinked hair there? He with the lady's hands and feet? Well, that's he. That's the one we have in question. Let me pass. No, Rizzio, you'll never pass. Stop. Traitors! Traitors! Riven, stop! Now, Rizzio! <gasps> You've murdered him! Oh, you coward! Coward! You've murdered him! Well, the work's done. And my queen's wiped clear of him. Wiped clear? You believed I was guilty with him? Were you not? No. Oh. Be sorry if you were not. I struck him down for that. I was not guilty. But will you tell me now who'll believe me innocent? You've branded me deep with this murder, and you've killed a guiltless man. Why do you sit in my presence? Because I'm ill and dying. I should be sorry if this thing I've done were in error, for it's the last I'll do. You'll stand in my presence there. Whose order was it? Why, uh, uh, ask his majesty that. His majesty? Darnley, I would I knew in what strange, dark chamber of your oafish brain you found reasons for Rizzio's death. You've slain your last friend, sir. It was Rizzio's counsel put you where you are and kept you there. These friends of yours wanted Rizzio out of the way. And they wanted to drag you down and drag me down. And you play into their hands. I've never been unfaithful to you, but we're at an end, we two. From this time forward, if I touch your hand, may fate blight me and my child. <laughs> Majesty, 
Well, Bothwell? You're very cold to one who came from France to see you. Well, I am seeing you at any rate. What is it you want, Lord Bothwell? Your Majesty, I want to help you. You've had unwelcome company in this place. I've heard about the murder, and I've come to make an offer I made before. To be your soldier. No, Lord Bothwell. My queen, my queen, turn not away your friends. You few enough, too few, it seems, to prevent what's happened to here. violate my room, kill my servant before my eyes. How I must be hated. They'll pay for that. Perhaps. I've taken an oath. They'll pay for it. Your Majesty, I wearied of France in exile. Wearied of sun and wine and looked north over the waters. Longing for fog and heather and my own country. Further, the news was none too happy from Scotland. They want your throne and plan to have it. But I mean to live in this land and mean you to be queen of it. The Earl of Bothwell is home and spoiling for a fight. And as the strife mounts in Scotland, the plottings go on, the whisperings, the insinuations, the sly innuendos that emanate from London. And in London, Queen Elizabeth sits smiling and safe and wise and listens to the news from Scotland. Your Majesty. Aye, Lord Bailey. Here is Lord Throgmorton back from Scotland, madam. Oh, you're early, sir. Tell me, what effect has Rizzio's death had in Scotland? Someone else is dead. I rode all night with the news. Darnley has been murdered. Murdered? So there's no more king in Scotland. Who took this trouble? Moray, no doubt. And not Bothwell? No, though he must have known of it. Ah. And the queen? The queen weeps for her Darnley. No, madam. Bothwell and the queen are friends again, or more than that. They'd be married already, I think, only her brother Moray's against it. And the earls are behind him. Well, now, in my day and time, I have known fools and blockheads. But never, I swear, in such numbers as among these Scotchers. Murray's against it. Against the Queen's marriage with Bothwell. Your Majesty, if she were to marry Bothwell, we'd oppose that too and even prevent it. Aye, barely, but times have changed and uh, we change along with them. Doc Morton, she uh, loves this Bothwell. It is a great love. The Queen's love. It is indeed a madness almost. Ah, yes. It is well sometimes to be mad with love. And let the world burn down in your own white flame. One reads this in romances. Well, let them have this love together this little while. Let them bed and board together. During the tea. Be happy. I... Madam, this Bothwell's no man to play with. If they marry, she'll crown him king. You did well to ride fast, Ross Morton. Turn now and ride as fast back again. And tell my Lord Murray, if he'd keep me a friend, let his half-sister marry Bothwell. Tell him to favor it. Hurry it. And with Bothwell king, do you think to conquer Mary? Then next to John Knox. But do this cleverly, giving Knox evidence that Bothwell slew Donnelly with the Queen's connivance, and they bed together in blood. Have you wish enough to see this well done? I think so, Your Majesty. Get to it then. Who will deny that Bothwell murdered Donnelly when he lives with the Queen and enjoys the fruits? Listen to me. Tell Murray to raise an army. Tell him to strike when the rumors have turned the Scots 
against their queen. And I say within this year, at the very farthest, there's no more queen than king in Scotland. And the rumors planted by Elizabeth's agents grow and flower into whispers that run the length of Scotland. And when Mary and Bothwell marry, as Elizabeth planned that they should, the whispers swell into an angry roar from half the people. And Moray's army, winning new recruits day by day, pushes the men of Bothwell back, back, back until the day when Bothwell comes to the Queen with bad news. We have lost, my Queen. Lost? I, I've met with Moray and agreed to terms. But you are safe, my Queen, safe and set free and may keep your kingdom. At what price? I've made a bargain with them. I've accepted exile. I'm to leave the kingdom. What? Then I'm exiled, too. I'm your wife, and I love you, Bothwell. And do you vision the end of that? A woman who was a queen, a man who was the earl her husband put to it to ask for food and lodging, enemies on every road, they weary, heartsick, turning at last on each other with reproaches. She's saying I was a queen. Would be one now, but for you. And he, I have lost my earldom. I betrayed you once and betrayed my love, but I learned from that. And I swear, though it cost my kingdom, not again. If you wish to try, break that oath. For you know, as I know, we lose together. Heaven knows what we'll ever win alone. We must say goodbye. Aye, girl. We've spent what time we had. And I know not when I'll see you. Let's have no pretense unworthy of us. It's likely we'll not meet again on this same star. God help me. And all women here in this world and all men. Fearful all chances a heart can long for. And let all women and men drink deep while they can their happiness. It goes fast and never comes again. Mine goes with you, my Bothwell. Youth and the fund of dreams and to lie a while trusted in arms you trust. We're alone, alone, alone. Even while we lie there, we're alone. For it's false, it will end. Each one dies alone. We've loved well, lass. Could love better. We've had but the broken fragment of a year, and whenever I've touched you, something that broods above us has made that touch disaster. This is not my choice. Lest I bring you utter ruin, we must wait. Wait better times and luck. I'll come again if I can. Yes, if you can. I, among all tides and driftings of air and water, it may be some dust that once was mine will touch again dust that was yours. I'll not bear it, oh God, I'll not bear it. Take me with you. Let us be slaves and pick our keep from kitchen middens and leavings. Let us quarrel over clouts and fragments, but not apart, Bothwell, that much we could have. Is there refuge in this world for you and me together? Go far as we could, is there one turf roof where we'd not be reminded of good days and end in bitterness? Face these lords like a queen. And rule like a queen, my love. I'd help you if I could, but I'm no help. You must meet them now. Yes, I'll meet them. I'll meet them. 
and I'll rule like a queen. Goodbye. Goodbye, my love. Well, Bothwell's gone, my queen. Aye, brother. No, I mean gone from the country. Word has come that he has crossed the border. He'll never again return. Don't be too certain. I'm certain. Certain enough to tell you that you will reign no longer. Brother, you are speaking to your queen. You are queen no longer. Am I not, though? Are you? Can you be with Bothwell and his army gone? Then, then it was all a ruse. Call it that. It was deceit. It was treason. Call it what you will, Mary. Call it anywise you please. You are my prisoner now. In a moment, we will continue with the third act of Mary of Scotland. Produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. And here again, speaking for United States Steel, is George Hicks. During my very pleasant stay here in Pittsburgh, I've been busy visiting some of United States Steel Corporation's plants in this area. Now, I'm always impressed by the sights and sounds of the steel industry. The dramatic roar and the color of the furnaces, the huge mills and equipment but I'm even more impressed with the men and women who work for United States Steel here in Pittsburgh and all over America. These U.S. steel workers are mighty proud of their jobs, proud of their skill and experience, and proud of the kind of top-quality steel and steel products they turn out. They're proud of the rigidly high standards maintained by United States Steel and of the constant research and development work that keep raising these standards. So it's no wonder they're especially proud of the USS label, which is used to identify the steel in many of the products you buy. And when you buy, for the home or the farm, for business or for play, you'll find the USS label on the products of many leading manufacturers. Fact is that USS label is well worth looking for when you're buying most anything made of steel. It's an important symbol, your assurance that the steel is good. That symbol, USS, is the mark of the industrial family that serves the nation, the mark of quality steel, United States steel. And now the curtain rises on the third act of Maxwell Anderson's drama of love and intrigue, Mary of Scotland, produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and sponsored by United States Steel, starring Helen Hayes as Mary, Helen Menken as Elizabeth. Carlisle Castle, England, in the 16th century. Mary the Queen is a prisoner here. She who had reigned from a palace. She who had married a weakling. She who had seen her chief advisor slain. She whose beloved Bothwell had been defeated and exiled. She who had escaped the prison of her half-brother and had fled to England only to be made a prisoner there. 
Mary the Queen is locked in a dungeon in Carlisle Castle with her last friend, the lady-in-waiting Beaton. The days grow longer. Is it still day, Beaton? I can see a little light through these shutters, madam. It doesn't matter. Night and day are one here. Oh, when will we hear from Bothwell? Madam, please, don't pace and wish and wonder this way. Sit down, madam. There, faithful Beaton. As long as you're with me, Beaton, there'll be a little light come through the shutters. Do you think Bothwell will really come, madam? Not really. Our only hope is Elizabeth. Then we have no hope. Elizabeth is our friend, Beaton. What cause has she to wish us harm? What's that? Quiet. I have seen but a poor likeness, and yet I believe this is Elizabeth. I am Elizabeth. May we be alone together. Go with the guard, Beaton. Yes, Your Majesty. I had hoped to see you. When last you wrote, you were not sure. If I've come so doubtfully and tardigrade, my dear, and break thus in upon you, it's not for lack of thinking of you. Can it be, as I've hoped, can it be that you come to me as a friend, meaning me well? Would you have me an enemy? Oh, I have plenty to choose among his enemies. And sometimes as your word reached out to me through embassies and tangled with men's tongues, it has seemed you judged me harshly, even denying my right to a place beside you. But now you are here, and a woman like myself. I think I see truer, and that this may be someone to whom I can reach a hand and feel a clasp and trust it, a woman's hand, stronger than mine in this hour, willing to help, if that was so... Oh, nay. Pledge not too much, my dear. For in these uncertain times, it's slippery going for all of us. I, who seem now so firm in my footing, well, I know one misstep could make me a most unchancy friend. If you'd keep your place on this rolling ball, let the mountains slide and slip to the valleys, put no hand to them, or they'll pull you after but does this mean you can lend no hand to me or I'll pull you down? I say it, recalling how I came to my throne, as you did, and came there young, loving truth, as you did. Oh, I've learned since then. I've learned it's thus if you would rule. Love where your interest lies. And should your interest change, let your love follow it quickly. This is Queen's porridge. And however little stomach she has for it, a queen must eat it. I, too, Elizabeth, have read my Machiavelli. His is a textbook much studied in the French court. Are you serious to read me this lesson? You have too love in your heart, I fear. Too bright a face to be a queen. That's not what's been charged against me. When I've lost so far, it's been because my people believed I was more crafty than I am. I've been introduced as a murderess and an adulteress. Nothing I could have said and nothing done would have warded the blow. What I seek now is only my freedom, so that I may return and prove in open court and before my witnesses that I am guiltless. 
You are the Queen of England, and I am held prisoner in England. Why am I held, and who is it holds me? Is there anyone in England who could hold you against my will? Then I ask as a sovereign, speaking to you as an equal, that I be allowed to go and fight my own battle. It would be madness. May I not be the judge of that? You will never govern, Mary. If I let you go, there will be long broils again in Scotland, dangers and right ones to my peace at home. To be fair to my own people, this must not be. Now speak once what your will is and what behind it. You wish me here. You wish me in prison. Have we come to that? Exactly. For how long? Until the world is quieter. And who will rule in my place? Why, who rules now? Your half-brother, Murray? He rules by stealth. But all this could be arranged. Or so I'm told. If your son were to be crowned king and Murray made regent... My son in Murray's hands! Murray in power! Is there any other way? Elizabeth. I have been here a long while already. It seems so. If it's your policy to keep me, shut me up, I can argue no more. No, I beg now. There's one I love in the North, you know that. And my life's there, my throne's there, my name to be defended. And I must lie here, darkened from news and from the sun. Lie here impaled on a brain's agony, wondering even sometimes if I were what they said me, a carrion thing in my desires. C can you understand this? Oh, I, I speak it too brokenly to be understood. But I beg you, as you are a woman and I am, and our brightness falls soon enough at best, let me go. Let me have my life once more and my dear health of mind again. For I rot away in my mind here, in what I think of myself. Some death tinge falls over one in prison. And it will grow worse, not better. I've known strong men shut up alone for years. It's not their hair turns white only. They sicken within and scourge themselves. If you would think like a queen... This is no place for you. The brain taints here until all desires are alike. Be advised. Sign the abdication. Stay now a moment. I begin to glimpse behind this basilisk mask of yours... It was this you've wanted from the first. This that I wanted. All this while some evils touched my life at every turn to cripple what I do. And now, why now looking on you, I see it incarnate before me. It was your hand that touched me, reaching out in little ways. Here a word, there an action. This was what you wanted. Oh, I thought perhaps a star. Wildly, I thought it perhaps my star might have ridden astray or a crone had burned an image down in wax, filling the air with curses upon me and slander. But it was your slander. Proof I have none, but I felt it. Would have known it anywhere, in your eyes, there, before me. You came here by your own road. I see how I came. Back, back, each step the wrong way, and each sign followed as you'd have me go till the skein picks up and we stand face to face here. It was you, Foss, Bothwell, from me, you there and always, 
Oh, I'm to blame in this, too. I should have seen your hand. It has not been my use to speak much or spend my time. How could I have been mistaken in you for an instant? <gasps> you were not mistaken. I am all women. I must be. One's a young girl. Young and harrowed as you are. One who could weep to see you here. And one's a bitterness at what I have lost and can never have. And one is the basilisk you saw. This last tan's guard. And I obey it. Lady, you came to Scotland a fixed and subtle enemy. More dangerous to me than you've ever known. This could not be born. I set myself to cull you out and down. And down you are. When was I your enemy? Your life was a threat to mine. Your throne to my throne. How? Why? It was you or I. Do you know that? And you take my life and my love to avoid this threat? Nay. Keep your life and your love, too. The Lords have brought a parchment for you to sign. Sign it and live. If I sign it, do I live where I please, go free? Nay, I would, you might, but you'd go to Bothwell. And between you two, you might be too much for Murray. You live with me in London. There are other loves, my dear. You'll find amusement there in court. I assure you, it's better than a cell. And if I will not sign this abdication... You've tasted prison. Try a diet of it. And so I will. I can wait. And I can wait. I wait for Bothwell and I wait for him here. Where you will wait, bear in mind, is for me to say. Give up, Bothwell. Give up your throne if you'd have a life worth living. I will not. I can wait. I will not because you play to lose. This trespass against God's right will be known. The nations will know it. Mine and yours, they will see you as I see you and pull you down. Child, child. I've studied this gambit before I play it. I will send each year this paper to you. Not signing. You will step from one cell to another, step lower always, until you reach the last forgotten. Forgotten of men, forgotten among causes, a race that cries to fallen gods in another generation that's lost your name. Wait then for Bothwell's rescue. It will never come. I may never see him. Never. It would not be wise. Oh. Oh. And suppose indeed you won within our lifetime... Still looking down from the heavens and up from men around us, God's spies that watch the fall of great and little, they will find you out. I will wait for that. Wait longer than a life till men in the times unscroll you, study the tricks you play, and laugh as I shall laugh being known you're better, haunted by your demon, driven to death or exiled by you unjustly. Why, when all's done, it's my name I care for. My name and heart to keep them clean. Win now. Take your triumph now. For I'll win men's hearts in the end. Though the sifting take this hundred years or a thousand. Oh, child. Child. Are you gulled by what men write in history? This or that and never true. I am careful of my name as you are. 
for this day and longer. It's not what happens that matters, no. Not even what happens that's true. But what men believe to have happened. They will believe the worst of you, the best of me, and that will be true of you and me. I have seen to this. It will be said of me that I govern well and wisely. But of you, cousin, that your life shot through with ill love, battened on lechery, made you an ensign of evil, that men tore down and trampled. Shall I send for the Lord's party? This will be said, but who will say it? It's a lie. It will be known as a lie. You lived with Boswell before Donley died. You and Boswell murdered Donley. And that's a lie. Oh, your letters, my dear. Your letters to Boswell prove it. We have those letters. Then they're forged and false, for I never wrote them. It may be that they were forged. But will that matter, Mary, if they're believed? All history is forged. You would do this? It is already done. And still I win. This crooked track you've drawn me on, cover it. Let it not be believed that a woman was a fiend. Yes, cover it deep and heap my infamy over it, lest men peer and catch sight of you as you were and are. In myself I know you to be an eater of dust. Leave me here and set me lower this year by year as you promised. Till the last is an oubliette, and my name inscribed on the four winds. Still, still I win. I have been a woman. I have loved as a woman loved, lost as a woman loses. I have borne a son, and he will rule Scotland and England. You have no heir. A devil has no children. You shall suffer for this. But slowly, and that I can do, a woman can do that too. Come, turn the key. I have a hell for you in my mind where you will burn and feel it, live where you like and talk. Mary, once more I ask you impatiently, give up your throne. No, devil. My pride is stronger than yours, and my heart beats blood such as yours has never known. And in this dungeon, I win here alone. I. Good night, then. Good night. Beaton, you will not see your maids again, I think. It is said they bring you news from the north. I thank you for all your kindness. has fallen on the Theatre Guild production, Mary of Scotland, sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. Helen Hayes was starred as Mary, 
with Helen Mencken as Elizabeth. Now here is Lawrence Langner to tell you about next week's Theater Guild play to be presented by United States Steel. Mr. Langner. Ladies and gentlemen, next Sunday night we will be back in New York again to bring you Gertrude Lawrence in St. John Irvine's successful comedy, Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary. This play was produced by the late David Belasco and ran for more than a season in New York. In Mary, Mary, Miss Lawrence, herself a famous English actress, will play the part drawn from life of another famous English actress whose eccentricities and brilliant repartee were the talk of London for a generation. So if you listen in next Sunday night, I think you'll be greatly entertained by Gertrude Lawrence's portrayal of this famous English character. And now here's Mr. Brokenshire again. The United States Steel Corporation hopes that you'll be with us next week at the same time when the Theatre Guild on the air will present St. John Irvine's sparkling comedy, Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary, starring Gertrude Lawrence. Remember, next week, Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary. And remember, too, that when you see the USS label on any product, it means the steel is good. for the Theatre Guild on the Air includes Homer Fickett, director, George Condolph, producer, and Armina Marshall, executive director of the radio department. Music for tonight's play was composed and conducted by Harold Levy, and the play adapted for radio by Robert Senandella. Tonight's production of Mary of Scotland originated in Pittsburgh. Your announcer, Norman Brokenshire. Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.